Well, thanks for allowing me to share with you again. Um, I wasn't actually supposed to be the one that was going to share with you with that. I'm being at camp. I actually had another young guy that he was hoping to be able to share with you this morning, but that didn't work out. So anyway, I got to tell you, I am really envious of Adam. Um, snow camp was one of my favorite things I got to do, as long as it was cold and snowy instead of rainy. You guys have all been where it's like wet and freezing and you're just, you can't ever get warm. That's when, it not, that's when it's not fun. But anyway, this morning, um, he sent a text out just kind of reminding some of the people that were doing leadership things here um, for the service this morning about some things. And one of the things he shared was one of the reasons why you do camp is because there's a young guy who felt like the Lord was kind of calling him back. And, you know, it's one of those things I first became, first received Jesus at a camp when I was 10 years old. And so for me, over my lifetime, those kind of camps, um, I just, I personally just think that they're one of the most important things we do because we get apart, we get the kids apart. Um, even as adults, you get apart from all the stuff that's happening to get focused in ways you don't ever really get focused in, in, in many other ways. And so he asked if we had pray for this young man, he asked not to share his name, but um, I want to do that since we have this opportunity. So Lord... We thank you for this young man who seems to have heard your, your voice. You've told us in the book of John that the sheep hear the shepherd's voice. And we pray that, Lord, that not only would he hear your voice, but, Lord, that he would receive it and answer it, Lord. That you would bless him. That you would grow him and develop him. And may he hear from you continually, Lord, the rest of his life. And may he respond, we pray. Be with him, be with um, Pastor Adam as he shares the message with the kids this morning, the last message before they come home. We just pray that you just bless that time. Keep them safe on the roads, on the way home, and all these things, in Jesus' name we ask, amen. Amen. Um, so, this has been an interesting week for my wife and I. Um, you know, last week, you know, most, I think all of you know, if, unless you're a visitor, um, that I have been diagnosed with multiple types of cancer. I almost died from cancer about four and a half years ago. Got in a, a new experimental immunotherapy program. That helped. And then last summer, I was diagnosed with leukemia. By the way, the same leukemia my dad died from 20 years ago. So this has been a somewhat interesting journey. And then this week, I had genetic testing because my brother, Bruce, who's two years younger than me, was diagnosed with colon cancer this last fall. And they caught it really early, and they don't expect there to be any complications with that. But my doctor suggested I do some genetic counseling to find out, you know, because my brother was diagnosed with what's called Lynch syndrome. And you don't have to remember that. It's not going to be on, the, on a test at the end of the service or anything. But um, it suggests that there might be a genetic cause to our cancer, at least one of our kind of cancers. And so went to the counseling over in Tigard and... Um, uh, on Monday, and you know, it's been seven years of cancer treatment, and it brought up a bunch of old wounds. I don't know if anybody here is Tolkien fans, but if you remember when Frodo, at the end of The Lord of the Rings, they're going into the West, and he has this, this pain from being stabbed by one of the bad guys, and every year he gets the same pain over and again because it can never go away. Now, I don't know if anybody has had a pain, I don't even mean this is really physical pain, but something that's happened in your life that can never go away. No matter how much healing you have, the memory of it still sticks. 
And sometimes when I had at this, this last week, it was hard because it's that memory of that pain of going through not just one chemotherapy, but two six-month regimens of chemotherapy, another kind of uh, chemical treatment that didn't work, almost dying, having to tell my congregation I was going to die, having to tell my kids two different times that I was terminal and I was going to die. That just kind of started to revisit. And starting to do a little bit better the next day on Tuesday, and then we got a call from my daughter-in-law that my son, who they just were the ones that had the brand new baby three weeks ago, he had to have emergency appendectomy. Well, that was hard enough, but then they say there was a possibility the reason why he had, the, had to have an appendectomy is he had a mass that was blocking his colon that might have been cancerous. When I heard that, I have to admit, this pastor of almost 30 years, um, Christian, most of my life, lost it like a little baby. Probably even worse than that. Had to, I called some friends of mine and just said, Lord, why? What in the world? And it came an hour and a half later, two and a half hours later, we got the call. It wasn't cancerous. He's fine. We're going to go spend the night with them tonight and help them kind of do the transition back from the hospital and their, all that kind of thing. But, you know, it was like, you know, sometimes you get to that point and you say, <clears throat> Lord, what is it you're doing? Well, one of the things is I was thinking about this week, actually it changed my sermon a couple different times because trying to figure out how to process this, how to share what the Lord was telling me, and also how to connect that with Scripture in a way that might be helpful for everybody. Um, you know, Adam has been shared last week, and as I thought about this, it really connected with me, that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He talked about the fact that, that there are commands and things that God gives us that are for his own purposes and for our, our benefit, but also for his purposes. And that's, that is a thing that I think I wanted to connect a little bit deeper this morning. So we're actually going to go through Ephesians chapter 1. So if you want to do that, you can turn there. While you turn there, I have a story to share you, kind of hopefully to relate about this. In about 2002, maybe 2003, Dorinda and the, the kids and my mom and I, we all went to Victoria, B.C. to go to the Bouchard Gardens, which is one of our favorite things to do in the world. We've been there several times. We went to Bouchard Gardens. We went into the Victoria Harbor. And uh, any, I don't know if any of, you, any of you have ever been there, but Victoria Harbor, during the height of the tourist season, has... The inner harbor that's just a not a very big area um, built into concrete that has concrete wet walkways and they have all kinds of artisans artists that display their wares and and do things there and one of the things that they had there um, in a very prominent spot on the corner was a guy who was doing spray paint artistry on big pieces of paper canvas kind of paper and it was, it was just fascinating to me and fascinating to the kids, to Dorinda. And we just kind of sat there for at least 20 minutes watching him produce these pictures. And it was interesting because he just took a big piece of black or white canvas, I don't know, paper of some sort. And he was taking spray, can, spray paint cans and he was just spraying things on it. And on the table next to this big canvas with the spray, can, spray paint in various colors and cans, but also all kinds of weird objects. He had a uh, piece of a handle from like an old um, broom. He had a big cylinder. He had a paint, a big paint bucket. He had all kinds of things that you can think of. Normal household utensils. He had a, 
like a small garbage can. And what he would do, he would take these objects and he would just spray around them to create bits and pieces on the canvas. Now, at first, it looked random. In fact, we were kind of looking at, what in the world is he doing? It's just like, and he's using different colors and stuff. And then the most bizarre thing in the world is after he would do that, he would then take another thing and he would paint over like half and sometimes even like three quarters of the thing he just had just painted. It's like, this is really dumb. I mean, <laughs> why do all that work just to cover it over again? Well, then as, we were, as I was looking, I noticed that he actually had a finished piece behind the table that I hadn't seen before. So I kind of like walked around the side, you know, because it's, you know, in this corner of, if you've ever been to the harbor there. And he had a finished piece. It was absolutely beautiful. It was, was kind of like a landscape, only it was a landscape of our solar system, our galaxy of something, with stars and planets and various types and suns and all kinds of things, a little comment in the background. And it was incredibly beautiful. And I'm, I'm thinking, what is this what he's doing with this? And as he continued to go on, he would continue to do this with these pieces, spray paint around them, spray over them, spray another piece off to the side, and gradually, little bit by little bit, the image started to form. And we ended up having to leave, I think to go to lunch or something like that at, the, at that particular point in time. But as we, we came back, and we got to see it just as he was finishing it. And it was something very similar, only it was just, it was like looking into the, into the, into the stars at night. It was such a, such a beautiful thing. And it struck me later on, that's often how the Lord does in us. We have these areas that the Lord paints in our lives. And this is very similar to the tapestry illustration, only this is different, and I actually saw this being produced. We saw this being produced. In that there are things that the Lord does, paints in your life, and then you see it seems like it's being covered over. Especially if you've got gray hair like me. Okay. Um, you've seen that happen a lot, probably. Isn't that true? Did I turn off the mic? Oh, it's good and anyway, so... I thought about this, is that what it's like to have your paper being painted on. And as you're going through it, you don't know what it is that the Lord is producing in you. You know that he's using different things to form you, to build in you. Some things are very pleasant, and then some, some things, like cancer, or perhaps with you it's losing um, a family member, or losing a job, or having a, you know, a, your house burned down. All the various difficult things that can happen in a lifetime. And you wonder, Lord, what is it you are possibly doing with this? Now, you know, Drew and I have been through a period of transition for a while in the last couple of years. And some of you are aware of that. And it's, we've thought about this a lot, especially with the cancer diagnosis and all the other things. But as I was thinking about what Adam was sharing yesterday, or not last, yesterday, but last weekend, it occurred to me that, and especially as I was finishing up thinking about the episode that had happened in our lives this early last week, I realized, you know, I may never know what God's purpose is on, our, is on this. And yet, there is a purpose to it, and there's a responsibility and, and something for me 
in how I respond to it. And this is what I want to read this morning. This is what I want to cover partly this morning. So, Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 10. And we're just going to cover a good portion of Ephesians. Actually, um, Ephesians 1, 3, not verse 10. 1, 3. Ephesians 1, 3. So, Lord, we pray that you would honor your word this morning and you would help us to make the connections, that, Lord, that we can trust you even though we don't know what it is you're producing in our lives today. And we bless that in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he has chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Now, if you like to take notes, I don't. I didn't send my notes because I really didn't have them soon enough to, for anybody to print them this week. So you might want to write these down if you choose to. If not, then that's fine as well. But the first thing I, I'd like you to do, I'd like you to write down if you choose to do so, is that... God has his purposes in our lives first. Now, this is a this is really a, a weird thought for our culture today. We live in a culture that's all about me, us, my, myself. But as Christians, people who have been have understood that we have a God, a Lord. And we sing it. We, saw, we sang it this morning about, you know, God singing 10,000 reasons. And we will continue to sing in, throughout those years because of the reasons that God has for us. But see, the thing is, is that as we grow older in our faith, that's one of the things we have to come to recognition of. And that is that God has his purposes for us. Just like the artist in the canvas, he has a thing that he is producing in us. As he will say later on, we are his workmanship, if you remember the passage. But that's hard. Because see, when we are, if, if, if it's our workmanship, then we can have control, we can have purposes for what we're trying to do in our lives. But if it's God's purposes, we don't always have control. You know, and that can be kind of scary at times because we don't always know. If we don't have control, we at least we don't even know which way things are going. We don't even know which way they're going to be headed. Sometimes we're just hanging in by the, by the seat of our pants. Now, I know if you're a human being, you've felt that kind of feeling when you're just kind of hanging in there for the, for the ride. Not really having much control, not really knowing what's going to happen next, just trying to do the best you can. What Paul is trying to tell us here is that it's one of the fundamental things that we need to understand. Before the foundation of the world, and by the way, the book of Revelation indicates that in the sense that the lamb, he's, the, um, John saw the lamb that was slain as before the foundation of the world, if you remember that. Now, I'm not exactly sure how that all works out. I don't think anybody really can. 
But it does say something, is that part of what the Lord is doing in your life and in my life is something that he has worked out through the mystery of his will from time immemorial. He knows, he, for, he, he, he goes, and it, and it goes beyond that. He knows, and he does this for us, as it says, he's given us um, in Christ every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world for a purpose. Now, what is that one of those cheap purposes? What does it say there? And in a church like this, I think we all have ideas of what that might mean, to be holy and blameless. Now, I think I've said this before in this congregation. I grew up in a church very much like this, a holiness church, one that had, came from the Wesleyan tradition, a non-charismatic, you might say, in the sense of non-Pentecostal um, holiness kind of church, almost in many, many ways, except for the building style. I mean, even the building style was very, very similar. Just a small little church. The thing about holiness churches is that they were started because there, it, there came a time when Christians were parts of other kind of churches and they, it seemed like people were just going through the motions spiritually. And so people would go to church and then kind of live their normal lives. And so people thought, you know, if I'm going to be holy and blameless, it should look like something. Now, if you grew up in this kind of church or if you've been part of this body for a long time, perhaps that seems very familiar to you. The problem with those kinds of churches, though, is that we tend to put rules and regulations as a way of exactly what that looks like. But to be holy and blameless, and especially in the original language here, it means more than just have a list of don'ts. The idea to be holy means to be set apart, to be separate. Now, if that sounds familiar, it's also what Adam talked about with the Pharisees, or if you remember. To be set apart doesn't necessarily mean that I am just better than everybody else. It means that I have set apart my life specifically because I have been set apart. See, we are holy because Jesus has made us holy. He has set us apart, and that being set apart means that we have a, a, we've been set apart for specific purposes, which he says a little bit later on. See, as the artist... Our God, Jesus, in this particular case, because he is the creator of everything. The book of John says that it is through Jesus that everything was created. That how things work out in your life are ordained, allowed, and sometimes orchestrated by him. Now, what, how does that work out? Well, it comes down to the fact that I submit to the purposes of his will. Now, I will be honest with you. You probably know what, it, what I mean, I'm going to mean when I say this. I like some purposes of his will better than others. Okay? <laughs> some are a little bit more comfortable. You know, C.S. Lewis said this. He, you know, I've used this many times in my career, but it's just one of the things that keeps sticking with me. And I said it many times this week. It's not that I don't trust the Lord. It's just how much pain I have to get to get there. And see, that's what trust is really about. And for me, this is one of those things that's become a, a greater theme in my life, especially over the last seven years. Is trust, is not, if faith is not just the, the idea that I believe God exists, 
But I trust that he has placed me where he wants me at a particular point in time and a particular place for his own purposes. Now, it's one thing for that when everything's going well, when everything is cool, when everybody likes what we're doing. But it's another thing when all of a sudden the culture changes, my circumstance changes, and then I want it to be different. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine who um, grew up in Oregon. He's moved to Arkansas. And he's been really struggling with some of the churches there because a lot of the churches, even in the Bible Belt, are going through the same kind of thing the churches here are, especially the smaller churches. The smaller churches are shrinking because the younger people aren't coming to church. I don't know if you recognize, there's only a few people under here in this building under the age of, I'd say, you know, 45-ish, okay? <laughs> Maybe a little older than that. And good for you that you do that. But the reality is, is that most of us here are like me, and most of us here, they have more than one gray, and gray hair in your head or in your beard or other, other places. See, it is, it's one thing to say, okay, Lord, this is fun. This is really cool. I feel really supported. I feel really affirmed. I really like this. And it's another thing when things aren't going so well. See, that is the thing about working through God's purposes. Being submitted to God's purposes. Because when I am submitted to God's purposes, it says, okay, Lord, I don't care what piece that you use to paint this particular point in my life. You are my Lord. Now, why can we do that? Well, it's because, as he said, he's given us every spiritual blessing in, in, in the heavenly places is that we have this opportunity, we have this recognition to be holy and blameless in love. Because we were adopted. Now, this is an important thing. You know, um, I work in a public school right now, and the thing about being adopted is that some of us who have never been adopted, we don't really understand how that works. But there is this young lady that's going through the process of adoption right now. And she's been through several different foster homes, which are important and good. But honestly, she's a wonderful young lady. And she's tired of being kind of handed off. But she just wants somebody to know that someone wants to know that somebody really cares about her. My mom was sort of adopted. My mom, my mom's real mom, in about 1943-44, ran out on her, on her and her brothers and sister. And, you know, even though she's, she's growing up as a Christian, she's, she's just the, almost the perfect mom, literally. You know, every once in a while, there's still little bits of that that come out. And in this particular case, we, we trust the Lord we submit to his purposes because we recognize that blessing is that we have been adopted into something that we can never, ever be able to pay back for. Now, I think this is an important thing. See, it's one thing to go through difficult things, and especially when you go through difficult things and you don't know why. But it's another thing when you, know, you go through difficult things but you, and you don't know why, but the person that you know is is behind this, truly does love you. You know, so Tuesday night was when I thought my son might have cancer, and I was, I was really just 
in a very difficult spot. And I called a, my cousin's husband, who's a, who's a very strong Christian man down in California, and he said, Bobby, and he started crying, I mean, because he, he could feel my pain where I was at, and he just started sharing the gospel with me, with a pastor. And he said, I, I hope this doesn't sound trite, I hope this doesn't sound dumb, he said, right now, that's the only thing I can think of that will help. And you know it did. The God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son. And you know, that's the thing, is that I was going through some really difficult moments because I was so afraid that my son was going to have to go through what I've gone through for the last seven years. I was scared to death, honestly. And I was also feeling responsible. Somehow it was my fault that my son... That's three, having, after having a baby three weeks ago is going to be diagnosed with cancer, have to go through chemo, through surgery, all those kind of things, and I was just like petrified. Is that his purposes lead to our blessings, and that's basically the same idea that Adam was talking about with the commands of God, that the commands of God were not for his purposes, although they are, but for our benefit, our blessing. That the Sabbath wasn't there to try to make us be still as long as we possibly could to, you know, terrorize us. You know, it's really funny working with elementary school kids. The hardest thing in the world is for them to do right now is to pay attention in class. I'm serious. I mean, if anybody, anybody is a teacher here, especially for elementary school kids, I have this group of first graders that I do this reading group with. And they surround me in this half moon shaped kind of table. And we're just doing reading exercises because they struggle with some of the basic things of, of recognizing sounds and um, how to pronounce things and all those kind of things. And so we just go through exercises of how to produce sounds, how to, to say words, all those things. And that's what we do for a half hour. They can do it for two minutes. And then I, we have to do something else. And then they want to ask me about my new grandbaby because they knew it'll distract me. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's interesting. See, they, they, they get distracted or they, they, they just have a hard time being still. Now, see, this is the, <laughs> this is the thing about this is that we don't, re you don't realize that all these exercises are so that they can learn how to read better. It's I'm not there to try to torture them. <laughs> you, I want you to stay there still as long as you can, just because I like to see you squirm. Now, honestly, you know, I don't know if anybody else who grew up in this kind of church can identify with this, but there was a season in my life that I kind of thought that's what God's laws and commands were purposes for me. You know, he just wants me to squirm because he has this control thing, but he's God, and I have to just submit to that. And what Adam was sharing last week, and I, it's, it's, it was one of those fundamental changes, is that God's commands are not to make me squirm. And this is one of the things I think the younger generation especially needs to understand. I don't know if anybody saw this, but yes, a couple last couple days there's an article in the Oregonian newspaper, and especially the Oregon Live website, that talked about in Portland, there's this new move going on called sober socializing. Anybody else see that? Okay, yeah, so evidently these, just younger, these younger groups of people have realized that binge drinking, getting drunk, throwing up, uh, going to the, um, the altar of the toilet um, every Saturday night or almost every night doesn't lead to really good things. 
And so they have, there's this new move in Portland called sober socializing. Now, there was no preacher telling them that if they were going to go to hell if they drank or anything like that. This is all a discovery that they realize, you know what? I don't have to get blitzed every single night to be able to have enjoy life. And now it's a move completely apart, at least on the outside, although who knows that the Lord might be doing something greater within this at some point, I don't know. But now there is this move within some of these new socialized areas um, that are kind of making some bar owners a little bit chagrined, admittedly, um, to, to be different. See, this is the thing, and this is the thing about Christians, and especially how we pursue things, is, yes, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it, absolutely. But there's a reason why he said it. There's a reason why he commands these things. There's a reason why we follow Jesus, and there's a reason why we come to church. Now, can I, I just want to take a minute to address this. And this you know, the funny thing about addressing people in church is you're already here, okay? Okay? It's not, I mean, I, you want to preach to the, you're preaching to the choir, and you're, most of you are here pretty much every week, okay? But the reality is, is that church has a purpose besides this simply the fact that I kind of worship God and stuff. It is part of the transformational purposes God has for my life and the lives of the people that come in. And one of the things I used to tell our congregation all the time, sometimes if I've been to church over and over and over again, I think, you know, why am I here? I'm going to hear the same sermon. I'm going to sing the same songs. What is there? It's because it may be God has something for you, for someone that's coming to come in the door that you don't know yet. I can tell you the people... If, if the Lord should bring in a renewed purpose, a renewed uh, revival in the church, we need people who have sat in churches for years, who have heard the sermons, can share that with younger people or newer people that are coming in, who don't know those things, don't know how to make the right application. See, this is one of the reasons why it is important to socialize after church and not just get out the door as soon as you know, the service is over. It's because sometimes there are things that God wants to do in other people that he wants to use you in. Now, it's something I try to, whenever I go by the church office after church or whatever, try to do this as often as I remember. But I just, as someone who's a pastor, been a pastor of a small church, it's really hard to find people that will be there every, every week to do the things that need to be done. People that will do worship. People that will do count the money people that will hand out bulletins, people who will serve in children's ministry. It's very, very difficult. You know, it's easy to find it for like one or two weeks, but to consistently do that over and over again. And it is because you have people who recognize that the purposes are greater than just necessarily their comfort or their enjoyment, that those things get filled. Now, this is the thing about this particular passage that I think Paul wants us to understand. It's part of these purposes is that it leads to our blessing. And I will tell you something. I was one of those guys who came into church, who a longtime church member took, him, took me under his wing to help form me. His name was Eli. And I had been coming to church because I was seeking. I, didn't, I was just the most miserable guy in the world. I was just full of questions 
really a bitter attitude at that particular point in time. And Eli took me aside after church one day and said, hey, can I take you to breakfast? And maybe you, I have some questions about the Bible. I was hoping maybe you could help me answer some of those questions. Well, I guess if there's a free breakfast in this, I suppose. Okay. Well, he had been in Bible college. He had been a missionary. He didn't need any help answering these questions. But he took me to breakfast almost every Tuesday morning for seven years. He always paid for it. Even when I tried to pay for it, by the time I got to the cash register, they said, oh, Eli had already taken care of it before he came in. It's like, well, how did he know? Well, he just gave extra money in case whatever I ordered. Now, I was the beneficiary of that. There wasn't anything that Eli got out of it, except eventually we became very close friends. He became my mentor. He became the, the key, one of the key areas of formation of my spiritual life. See, he ended up getting blessed by that. I ended up getting blessed by that. It changed my life completely. It changed our family's life. See, this is the thing, is when I submit to God's purposes for these things, when I recognize that he is not just the Lord of the harvest, he is the Lord of all things, then I say, okay, Lord, I really don't want this spray can. I don't like this color paint. But whatever, your will be done. You know, I, have, I don't like to share this a lot, but occasionally it comes with purposes. So I've had over 30 CT scans in seven years. Two PET scans. It's very possible that my leukemia came from all those CT scans and PET scans. But every single time, and as my mom, I would tell my mom, Jesus' truth, this is, this is, I, this is literally the truth. Every time, just seconds before I would go through the big donut, if you've ever had a CT scan, you know what I'm talking about. I would pray, Lord, my life is yours. Since you saved me, really, from the very beginning, my life is yours. Whatever you have for me, your will be done. I would like to be healed, <laughs> but your will be done. Now, some days, those are, that was a really hard prayer to pray because I was... Even though I knew the Lord was in charge of my life, he had saved me, I still wanted to live. And, you know, the thing was, is that at some point, you just submit to his purposes. Whether you like it, you feel good about it, or not. You say, I don't know how this is all working. And there's a lot of questions I still don't have. I still have, I should say. I still don't know about. But Lord, your will be done. See, those purposes are because we have been shown an answer to the mystery. And the reason why we submit to these things is because we have, been submi we have submitted. And I want to read on from the part we just we stepped on. I broke my glasses, by the way. Again, yeah. In him... Oh, sorry. Um, verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace, with whom he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. 
according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purposes, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having pre been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his own will, so that we who are first the hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. See, these blessings are bigger than just the physical blessings that sometimes we get on this earth. Now, this is where true trust comes in, real faith. I don't know if you've heard about this, but in Africa recently, there have been several Christians that have been killed by the Boko Haram. We go through difficult times, but I don't think anybody's recently has been afraid of someone coming into their house and shooting them simply because they're Christians. And it's one of those kind of things, you talk about trust, is to say, you know, Lord, I am submitted to your will, whatever that means. Whatever purposes that you have, whatever can of spray paint you choose, whatever color. You know, I really wouldn't want butterscotch, but if that's the color you choose, that's fine. See, these purposes are greater, these blessings are, are, are necessarily greater than what I can experience here and now. And this is, the, this is the real challenge because almost every single one of us have been blessed beyond anything in the history of the planet in physical circumstances. Even if we have gone through difficult things, we, we are within the 1% of the most richest people, every single one of the, you in this room that has ever lived in the history of this planet. And when we, when we don't have it as well as we once had, we begin to say, well, gee, I, you know, things aren't as good as they used to be. But part of this mystery of his will is to say that there's something greater than this. There's something that, as Sam used to told Frodo and again in The Lord of the Rings, there's something great, greater that's worth fighting for, that's worth living for. That there's something here that has a purpose behind just simply my being able to exist a little bit nicer than I did yesterday that I am producing and I am being able to contribute to something that the Lord, something great that the Lord is doing that I will never really be able to, able to apprehend correctly. Gang, this is one of those things, I, people have often said, well, you won't know until you get to heaven what this is all about. I am convinced, we, even when we get to heaven, we will not know everything on why God chose to do things. I don't think even in heaven we will be capable to be able to understand all the purposes of God's will. I think when we get to heaven, it's like Paul says, when I see his face, all questions will be erased. You know, it's just like, okay, I get this. I don't care, <laughs> Lord, now that I see you. And that takes, that takes some real trust that what God has for me is greater than anything I can produce in myself. That gets into the, a sermon I did on Hebrews, if you remember the first time I shared with you guys. That ultimately, as Christians, we trust God because at the end of all things, we 
trust that what he can produce in us and through us and for us is greater than we can produce for ourselves. That is the key to the Christian life. That you trust, not only for, yourself, for you, but for your kids. That's why we, we do devotions. I mean, if you do devotions with your kids in the dinner table, you did, or you hope to if you're younger. To say, you know, Lord, I'm doing this because there is something amazing that can be produced in these children's kids' lives, especially as they get older. But not only as they get older, but ultimately, eternally. That there's something amazing, something special that I can hold on to, that they can hold on to, that makes a huge difference. You know, I was ha- we were having dinner Friday night with some friends of ours, and one of them, one of the gals is a special education teacher in Hood River. And she deals with kids that aren't the sharpest intellectually of all the kids in the school on a day-by-day basis. And, you know, she had one of the other teachers say, how can you continue to do this with a smile on your face? Because they're never going to be intellectual giants. They're never going to be rock stars. And she's, I'm not trying to do that. I want to see these kids do well, and I want them to be blessed the best that they can be. You know, that's all I care about. See, this is the thing. You know, we can be disappointed because maybe, you know, the con- this congregation isn't as big as it was two or three years ago. Oh, wait, by the way, there they show up. They're just coming in from the camp. Um, but the thing is, there is, could be one of those kids that come from camp that walk in the door next week. Maybe not. Maybe, or another adult, or someone else that comes walking in the door that you can produce, help to produce in their lives something that will, they will hold on to for the rest of their life, not only now, but eternally. Is that worth whatever you have to go through? It is. I see a lot of shaking hands. Shaking heads, I mean, not hands. It's worth it. And even though it's not as much fun as you think maybe somebody else down the street is having at this particular point in time, it's not about that. It is about the fact that we serve the Lord of the harvest. We serve the Lord of the Sabbath. We serve the Lord of all. And unlike in Paradise Lost, if you remember, one, if you've ever read that or, or heard, the, heard it um, recited, the reason why Satan left paradise, lo- par- paradise, why he left heaven, is because he said it's better to serve, or to, it's better to rule in hell to serve in heaven. And I'm going to tell you right now, it is better to serve in heaven than it is to rule in hell. Absolutely it is. We say, Lord, I don't know why you're doing what you're doing, but Lord, your will be done. Lord, I trust you. <laughs> There's really no place else to go. There really is nowhere else to go. So, Lord, we pray for that this, this morning. We thank you that we have been given a, you have given us every spiritual blessing. We for, sometimes forget that in the business of life. And when we face people that are angry or bitter, and we, don't, we just want to respond somehow, we forget that, Lord, that you're doing something special today. 
And we pray that, Lord, that even when we don't understand it, when we don't see it, when we don't feel it, Lord, that you would help us to receive it anyway. So, Lord, I pray for the kids that have gone to camp. Pray for Pastor Adam, especially, that he give him rest this week, ready to come back and share with us again. Whatever you call us to do, Lord, our lives are yours because you have loved us. We pray for that, Lord. We pray that you help us with that. In Jesus' name, amen.